0: Beating Cancer Daily Together. Water, water everywhere and not a drop to drink. Did you read that book? Do you remember Mariner's Tale? I don't know why that popped into my head. I was striving <laughs> to talk to Jackie to record this amazing episode on hydration, which if you've Ever listened to beating cancer daily? I am obsessed with hydrating. I'm obsessed with water, so I've really been looking forward to this episode. We also did a health builder program. I hope you got to be part of that live event with our guest, Jackie Bryan. Hi, Jackie. Hi, Saren. Thank you for having me. I can't wait to brag about you. So this is the part where I brag about Jackie. She is an RN, a certified nutrition specialist, a whole health educator, a certified health coach. She has so many unbelievable talents in the whole wellness world. And I'm just so glad that you could come back. Again, you are a fan favorite, Jackie.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I love this topic. I think I see that for all of our podcasts. <laughs> but the, re- the reason I like talking about hydration is because I feel like people don't pay attention to it like they should.
0: If you are in my inner circle, <laughs> I am always walking around with glasses of water, bottles of water. I'm offering them to everyone, everywhere. And I learned from you that we're 60% water. So I just think we're cucumbers with lips. (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) My husband will tell you that I know where every bathroom is. Any place that I have ever been, I could tell you where the bathroom is. (laughs) I am constantly drinking water. I keep a water bottle with me. I'm constantly hydrating. Leonardo da Vinci once said that water is the driving force
0: of all nature. And I love that quote. I love it too. (laughs) And the bathroom is our best friend. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, but people do say that to me. They say, how do you drink so much water? Aren't you in the bathroom all the time? And I'm like, yes. And I'm flushing out bad things. That's what I'm doing. So I can't wait for you to teach us. I have a lot more humor about laughter because the comedy cures writer's room. Decided that they were going to bring some really fun little jokes to you today as our present for being part of Beating Cancer Daily and for always doing these incredible podcast episodes and also the live health builder events monthly, which if you have not attended, you must sign up on the Comedy Cures website.
1: Oh, they are been so much fun to do and I love being a part of them too. So I'm thrilled that we're talking about it. And I'm excited to talk about hydration. And I'm probably one of the strange people that has, I've always been into hydration. I was a a college athlete and I understand the importance of hydration with sport. But then I also got into hydration because of Vanity. I was diagnosed with cancer breast cancer 20 years ago and went into menopause really early and one of the the things that
0: uh, the skin specialist told me is oh you're gonna shrivel right up no it's true it's like it the side effects of the chemo or the radiation can really be problematic and I think the key to us both looking so youthful <laughs> <laughs> is that we're cat, we're water obsessed. Well, it is. I
1: can just only, you imagine what the little bubble in my head was thinking when they were saying I was going to shrivel up and I was 37 years old and it was just pretty scary. I I am excited to share, there was a study that was put out, I I think it was within the last year from um, NIH, National Institutes of Health, that talked about poor hydration and they're linking it to early aging in chronic disease. And it's it's actually a 25-year study. And the results that they found were that those adults that were not hydrated will age faster. And I think you and I figured that out at an early age. Um, but those people that were not hydrated also increased their risk of chronic disease and were more likely to die younger than those that were well hydrated. So now we've got some good, solid research behind it. You said it, you said 60% of our body is water. The earth is 70% water. It's so much of what we have going on inside our body is based in water.
0: It's interesting because if I don't drink water, I make kidney stones. So (laughs) I'm like a walking quarry and I am so conscious of, my water intake. But I do know there are certain illnesses where you can't hydrate as much. And there's certain people that the amount of hydration that I take wouldn't be right for them. But for me, it's great. And I know you have a secret equation that you're going to share with us at some point, because you taught it to me and I've been telling it to everyone at every cocktail party I go to. You must be so fun at these parties. (laughs) I I think to understand the benefits
1: of water or hydration, let's just say, is we need to consider that the body is 60% water and that the systems that are in your body require proper hydration in order to work. And I can just fly through a few systems to give people a better understanding. We think about our muscular system, um, it needs water to maintain flexibility and strength and power. And it gives our, our muscles the ability to regenerate and even build. So that's important, especially if you're an exerciser and and even our skeletal system. And I actually think the skeletal system, our bones are less obvious, but your bones are actually 22% water and our joints require lots of water for lubrication, especially as we get older and ache year.
0: I think funny thoughts. So I'm thinking that scientist that's in the lab trying to determine Exactly, how much water is in that cadaver's bones? Like-
1: oh, I know, I know. When you think about it, it's there's probably not as much when they're a cadaver as when they're <laughs> alive. But, but it is. It's an interesting science to understand how much of. In what is in our body is actually made up of water. Our heart, that kind of makes maybe a little bit more sense, the, the cardiovascular system, which the heart is a part of. The heart is 73% water. It's pumping blood. The blood is actually 80% water. Your body is constantly producing red blood cells all the time. And that requires water. You might be curious. Well, actually, I'm going to ask you the question. Do you know how many new red blood cells are produced every second, Saren?
0: every second a Oh my goodness in a well, healthy can, person
1: in a healthy person and so two million are produced right if if someone is properly hydrated so that's really important to think about and then our ability to detoxify that's what you were talking about right when we started you're like i drink water because i want to get the crap out right
0: <laughs> yeah Literally. <laughs> but that's the poop episode. If, yeah. I, if you haven't heard Jackie's episode on poop, I'm always pushing the poop episode. Jackie. Yeah. No, just because it was so fascinating. And people don't talk about other people's poop, but they don't teach you how to look into the toilet and know one of the things you talked to us about in that episode was to know if you're dehydrated, so right, it, right. it does Those little relate. rabbit pellets.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you are pooping rabbit pellets, then we probably need to have a talk about the amount of hydration you have but <laughs> for detoxification. It takes a lot of water to get the garbage out to get all of the toxins that are out of your body. If you think about what your house would look like if you stop taking out the garbage. And those organs that are part of our detoxification system; those are our—that's our kidneys, our liver, our digestive system, our skin, even the lymphatic system, right? So you can also think that your lungs are also a part of this equation. And so these are all things that we need to think about when we're thinking about hydration. And then, really, the last system for us to So just put a nice, neat little bow around the hydration and benefits to our system is that central nervous system. That system, the central nervous system controls your body's temperature and your brain. What percentage
0: of your brain is water? Well, if 60% of your body is water, let's go with 70% in the brain.
1: Yes. 75% of your brain is water, right? If you're well hydrated, we know that person's productivity is better. Their energy levels are better and even their moods are better. So I hope that even just the, the overview of how beneficial it is to our systems is motivating enough to people to get in a little bit more water into their bodies. But I think it's important to understand what does improper hydration look like any ideas,
0: Sarah? I can't go there because I make kidney stones, but I, I just want to relate back to one thing you just said. I remember reading a study about dehydration and depression
1: mm-hmm. and you
0: touched on the central nervous system, but really that they were looking at dehydrated, depressed people. And they mm-hmm. felt that there was a very strong correlation between dehydration and depression. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: I'm a holistic practitioner and I like to connect the dots between lifestyle behaviors and overall health and well-being and everything's connected. If your body is made up largely of water and you're not giving it what it needs, it's not going to perform in a way that's going to benefit you and that includes the way your brain's functioning. Of course it's going to impact moods and cognitive function and and muscle function and all the other things we just talked about. I think about those
0: little kids sitting in class where they go into school and they get nothing to drink or eat until recess, and then nothing until lunch. And then they literally go home and they have nothing. So we actually have a system because they don't want all the kids running to pish every five minutes. <laughs> but we're actually doing that. Some schools have changed. Like my daughter goes to school and she keeps her big uh,
1: water bottle on her. Desk and she will she'll drink out of it throughout the day, take sips and and I'm sure that increases the amount of bathroom visits. But I think some schools are a little more inviting for people to to bring in their hydration needs because they're recognizing that it's important. But but for those people that aren't getting hydration that they need, this is where we get into improper hydration and the two two most common uh, types of improper hydration are dehydration, which I think probably all of us have heard of. And then overhydration. And um, that's less well known. And we'll we'll just talk about it quickly. But some of the symptoms of dehydration, and, and actually maybe I should just define dehydration for those of you that may not be familiar with it, but uh, dehydration is when you lose more fluids than you take in right it's it's a simple equation um your body doesn't have enough water and other fluids to carry out its normal body functions and if you don't replace it you're going to get dehydrated and when someone gets dehydrated we start seeing some dangerous symptoms right so fatigue and exhaustion bright yellow urine nausea vomiting weakness lightheadedness um, lack of sweat constipation those little rabbit pellets we were talking about confusion rapid heartbeat decreased urine. It's It's a long list. And I am someone that when I was getting my chemotherapy, I had chemo that was very tough on the gut. And I just, I think I vomited for two days and I was hospitalized for four days after my first chemo, because I just couldn't keep anything down. And I was dehydrated. So it required that I get some IV infusions just to keep up. And We'll touch on if you're in treatment and how do you maintain a healthy hydration status when you're not feeling well, it's just
0: not easy. And I know just from going through stage four cancer, even though I didn't get the metallic taste in my mouth, a lot of people report this metallic taste. And so water just tastes like metal. So people don't, they just don't want to drink it because it tastes like pure metal one of mm-hmm. our Comedy Cures writers wrote a little slogan for you, hydrate, don't dehydrate like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, we may have medical conditions,
1: like you just mentioned, where we get a metallic taste in our mouth, or even if someone is dealing with congestive heart failure and they're on a fluid-restricted diet. Those are things that, that certainly come into play. And I would strongly advise anybody that, is watching their fluid intake, that they make sure that they have their medical team support that they're getting in what they need, because that's really important. There are people that do not have the liberty to drink as much water as they want because of the particular condition that they have. I do know, and you probably remember, Saren, as well, is that when we had our chemotherapy, they highly encouraged water intake because it helped us flush out the toxins that
0: they were putting in us to, to kill off the cancer. Yeah, that was definitely a part of that package. But I don't think a medical professional, besides just that, okay, you have to hydrate while you're getting chemotherapy, I don't think any medical professional, until I had full-blown kidney stones, really talked to me about the need for hydration, how to hydrate, overhydration. I'm just so happy that we're doing this because I don't think this is presented in a comprehensive way. And it makes me want to say to everyone, make it part of the conversation the next time you meet with one of your medical team. Bring it up, have it be on your list of things you want to talk about and make some notes from this podcast and ask them specifically are some of these suggestions good for you? We always say run stuff by your medical professionals because we're just giving this overview here. And so everybody's different. And I think it's really important that you learn here. We start the story here and then you really tailor it to your own medical situation. I, I
1: agree a hundred percent. I will say I'm a Western medicine trained nurse and every I believe everybody's heart is in the right place and they're trying to educate their patients to the best of their ability, but there's only so much that they can cover in a short period of time. And this is where we really strongly encourage, at least I do for my clients, is I really strongly encourage them to advocate for themselves and get a new book started and ask some questions. I think that's a really important thing. The, the one part of improper hydration that people don't really talk about is overhydration. And it's really rare. In fact, it occurs more often in athletes. And this is when we see people taking in so much extra water and it exceeds the amount that the person is losing through sweat and urine and respiration. And what happens is the excess fluid actually dilutes the the blood sodium which is salt levels and and there's a sodium and potassium exchange that happens in the in the exchange across the cell that helps with uh, fluid balance and and the problem with this is if we are not able to maintain that balance we we get an imbalance and this is where we get overhydration. Um, There was a story back in 2002 of this young gal that ran the Boston Marathon, and I've run the Boston Marathon a couple of times. And one, she was 28 years old and she died of what they call hyponatremic encephalopathy. Hypo meaning low, natremic meaning sodium, low sodium. And the reason her sodium was so low was because her she was drinking so much water, but she wasn't replacing electrolytes. And so she got a swelling of her brain and that created a severe imbalance and she ended up dying from it. And this is where I first became interested in it. Now, I don't, but most of the population do not struggle with something like this. So I don't want people to go out and say, I don't want to drink too much. For the most part, we need to listen to our body. There are different techniques and strategies we can do to prevent overhydration, one of which is just not chugging things really fast, drinking and sipping slowly. Some of the side effects though of overhydration are easily confused with dehydration, which are things like a headache and confusion, irritability, vomiting, drowsiness, seizures, loss of consciousness, coma. There are some overlaps where you could see how someone may get confused, right? And they think, oh, I need more water. And so for those athletes out there that are curious, when somebody that's doing a long endurance race, alternating with electrolyte supplements, which are things that you can find in electrolyte drinks. I'm not going to name them, but my preference would be that you don't go for the high sugar ones, right? We want the ones that are going to deliver some of those electrolytes. And those are things that we definitely need to consider when we think about hydration.
0: Just to define electrolyte, so somebody knows what they're looking for in one of those drinks...
1: So electrolytes are a group of minerals, and these minerals actually transmit signals into your body. They're either positively or negatively charged, and that happens when they're dissolved in water, and that's things like sodium and potassium, fluoride, magnesium, calcium. Those are all minerals, and they actually conduct electricity when they are in water. And what's cool about it, this is where I just think the body is such an amazing machine, is that these electrolytes help our muscles contract. They help with fluid balance, like I was talking about earlier, that kind of sodium and potassium exchange. And so when you are drinking water, it's not a bad idea to have some electrolytes in that. Now, I will say that when I was, after that first chemo, that story I told you where I end up in the hospital for four days on an IV, They were pushing electrolyte drinks on me. They had me drinking Pedialyte at one point, (laughs) which is something that people do, but there are definitely other options that you can try for sure to get some of those electrolytes. And you don't need a lot of them. We just need enough to find balance in the body. That's a certain, so when we think about nutrient considerations, when we're thinking about hydration, we think about water, of course, right? Water is the most important thing when we think about hydrating. Electrolytes, I would say, come in second place, right? Because we really want to make sure that we're getting the electrolytes that we need in the sodium, potassium, chloride, magnesium, and calcium. And these are also important players in bone health and the way our muscles behave, right? To help prevent cramping, things along that lines. But other nutrients that are important that we don't always think about are things like carbohydrates. We know that the electrolytes are important, but carbohydrates, we don't always associate with hydration, but they actually play a role, especially in physical activity. Physical activity is something that puts a, a demand on our body. It could be walking, jogging, Could be stretching, yoga, any of those things, but when carbohydrates are combined with water and electrolytes, they actually enhance water absorbed in the intestine. So they're all like teammates. They're all working on the team together to make sure that you get just what you need inside of your body. And that's one of the reasons that some of those specialty sports drinks contain certain sugars because those are considered carbohydrates that can help with the absorption of those important
0: electrolytes in your body. We're in such a carb phobic time though. They're really on the outs and I'm listening to you thinking about how many people I know that restrict carb intake and exercise, and it sounds like it's a train wreck. Oh, I think you just found our next podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So when I think about carbs, I think about carbs so differently than other people. I don't think about the bagels and the pizza and the candy I think about the apples and the sweet potatoes and even some nuts, right? So we get carbohydrates in really healthy foods. And so those are the foods that I'm talking about that can really help fuel our body. The other piece and a very important player in hydration is proteins. And we're made up of proteins in addition to water, as we talked about earlier. But some proteins actually act as transporters in our body. They move the water of, and the electrolytes into and out of the cells, right? So I always talk to people about the fact that, you remember the old saying, you are what you eat. I like to say it more like you are what you can absorb, Right. So we want to make our body more efficient, right? So when we're talking about hydration, it's not just about the water. It's about the electrolytes. It's about the kind of carbs you're eating and even the proteins to help with that transportation. Because when you consume protein alongside water and electrolytes, it can aid in rehydration after exercise or even stressful situations. And I will say the last nutrient consideration that we're that I was thinking about we would talk about today would be vitamins. I'm not talking about having to pop a bunch of vitamins or anything, but there are certain vitamins, especially water soluble vitamins like B complex and vitamin C. They play a role in hydration because they support the enzyme reactions and other processes that are in the movement of water through the body. So I think I'm hoping I'm painting the picture that water is important, but making your body more
0: efficient At balancing water is really the key. I cannot believe that we do not teach this in school from the beginning of time. How do we raise generation after generation without this information? We have such an obesity problem and also a nutrition issue in our country and around the world because. Nobody's showing this comprehensive vision and explaining how everything is dependent upon everything else. What we are getting blasted with is just all this junk food that's on all of our commercials. I think it would be so interesting to have PSA announcements where we actually just started teaching these little gems about how we actually have optimum function and performance and quality of life, which will lead to wellness. And then that will take the strain off our healthcare system because it's all starting at this very basic place that you're teaching us about. Let's see, I think it's so important.
1: And some of us have learned it in biology class, but they teach us the knowledge, but not necessarily the application. So let me help you understand what this means, but not how to apply it to your life. And that's really what my practice is all about, is about how do I take this complex information and apply it in a meaningful way to my life where I can I can do something with it, because that's really important. When I think about hydration, I want people to understand that everyone's hydration needs are different right and that that people need to take into consideration several things and and even before i start saying this i will say so many of us have been taught i need to drink eight
0: eight ounce glasses of water that's what i have to drink and was that something you were taught Saren? That that's what everybody thinks. And I always hear about water guilt. People always say, I know you drink eight ounces a day, but I don't. How do you do it? And I, I don't know. I just love water. So I, I definitely drink more than eight ounces an hour. But how do you how do we help people? So first, in answer to the question, is eight, eight ounce glasses of
1: water enough per day per person? And really the answer is it depends. (laughs) It really depends. It depends on the person. How much are they exercising? But that's important to know. We know that our muscles uh, burn sugar during exercise. The, The byproduct of that is heat. Our body temperature goes up. Our organs can be compromised if our body temperature gets too high, which is why we start Panting and sweating, and that cools the body down. Now, if you are exercising on a regular basis, you're probably going to need more than just the eight, eight ounce glasses. The other thing I think, especially I live in New England, right? And in the summers, it's hot, right? So environment is another thing we need to take into consideration. If you're in the summer in New England and it's hot, I'm probably going to need more water in June than I would in February, right? Because we have snow and it's cold. And But keeping that in mind, hot and humid weather makes you sweat. And that requires additional fluid. And also if you live at high altitudes, High altitudes is less oxygen. You start panting more, you start getting rid of more liquids or or fluid, and that might require that you need more. Even if you're a person that works outside on a regular basis, that's also a time when they may need more. But I think the most important spotlight for today is really what health condition or medical condition may be an issue when it comes to hydration. I think that's really important clearly if someone has a fever, they're vomiting, they have diarrhea, which is pretty much my whole chemotherapy story. Mine <laughs> you know, too,
0: I'm mine sick, too.
1: sick constantly, then I'm going to need some more hydration. And if, if people have bladder infections or stones like you were talking about, they're going to need you're going to need a little bit more hydration to make sure we flush those things out. Any chronic conditions, right? So here's where we think about those that may need more hydration, those that are vomiting and sick versus those that maybe need less. And those are the people with congestive heart failure. There's already a burden on their heart If we put too much fluid in there, it creates too much work on the heart. Remember that blood is 80% water. And so these people live in a state where they're balancing their intake and their output, right? They're actually keeping track of how much they're peeing and how much they're drinking in order to maintain a proper balance for their condition. And this is why your medical team provider needs to be on board. And then there's those people that are on diuretics, diuretics for hypertension or high blood pressure, or for some other condition and diuretics are medications that actually take excess fluid off. If somebody's dealing with edema in their extremities, sometimes they'll have a diuretic for that. But in that case, those people may not be losing just water, but they're also losing some electrolytes and other things that are really important for balance in the body. And so that's a really important part of making sure that you get the right amount of hydration and then even pregnancy and breastfeeding, right? Because you're going to have the demand of another person in there who is taking away from your body. So you want to make sure that you're getting proper hydration for that. But I think Specifically, if we're talking about cancer treatments, we're talking about immunotherapy, chemotherapy, radiation, hormone therapy, hormone blockers. There's all sorts of different types of treatments when it comes to cancer. I think it's critical for people if they're experiencing any of the dehydration or overhydration symptoms we talked about earlier, they need to contact their medical team. That's number one. That's number one priority. And it could be that a person, if they are behind the eight ball, that's what I said, behind the eight ball when we're dehydrated, because I lived a good chunk of the many months I was in chemo behind the eight ball and hydration. I had a, a you know a weekly date with the hospital to make sure that I got the hydration that I needed via IV. And I just didn't, they just didn't want me to get behind because what happened was that first chemotherapy had set me so far behind that it took me a while to catch up. So when I went in for the second treatment, they were already prepared. They had the IV ready to go and they knew that they were going to hydrate me.
0: I heard that there's another thing at play here that you could need vitamin D to be able to absorb the water that some people have a vitamin D deficiency and that's why their body isn't absorbing the water. They're just peeing it out and it's not getting to do the good things that it needs to do in in terms of the absorption. Is that true? So any
1: vitamin or mineral deficiency will have an impact on your hydration status. So any deficiency. So if you think about your body as this, it is, again, the second time I've said it today, the most amazing machine, right? If it detects a imbalance, it tries to adapt, right? And it'll adapt by conserving or holding on. It's when people say they're starving themselves because they want to lose weight, but the body won't release any fat because the body's like, whoa, what is she doing? I gotta hold on to this fat, right? I don't wanna I don't want her to lose this, right? So it's the wisdom of the body. So any vitamin mineral deficiency is going to change the balance of hydration in your body. Um when we think about, and that's something that's on your medical team, especially if you're in treatment, they need to be checking your labs, which they always do anyways, check your labs to see if there's any imbalances, because they'll pick up on that as well. But even drinking um, fluids orally, they'll recommend that to you. I know that was the first time I had ever had an electrolyte drink. Was when my oncology group said that you're somebody that needs to start drinking this on a regular basis, just while you're in treatment. It's really important. The other thing that's important is that if you're somebody that is prone to dehydration, it's pretty tough to get venous access and IV when somebody is not able to drink the amount. You just can't see the veins as well. And that requires people to dig around. And that's pretty uncomfortable. Some people that have ports, they have it a little bit easier in terms of getting the hydration in. I did not have a port and I only had one arm that I used for chemotherapy. They did all sorts of different tricks of the trades that those wonderful IV nurses and anesthesia people do to get a venous access. They put heat on your arm and they smack your arm a little bit to see if they can get the vein to to pop up so they, they can
0: get access on you. I'm but- shivering. It literally, it is so visceral for me and it has been so many years. Like 30 years since I was misdiagnosed, 24 years since I was diagnosed, and 21 years since they said I was cancer-free. And just you saying it, I got a little shiver in my body and my hand started to feel weird. That smack, I can hear it. It is with me. It It won't go away. it is it, really it's funny you
1: said that visceral response, because there are certain things from that experience in my life that there's a pizza place that I used to drive by to go to the oncology office. And I used to gag the second I got to it. I never ate there before, but it was just the reminder that I was almost at the hospital. And I'm serious when I drive by that pizza place still it's still there. 20 years later, I drive by, I can't, even, I just look away because I just can't. <laughs> and my oncologist who has since retired told me a funny story once he was in the grocery store. It happened to him on a couple occasions and that he would see his patients and they'd start gagging.
0: Oh, that's not good for your self-esteem.
1: <laughs> I felt so bad for him. I was like, I'm so sorry. Just touching back on cancer treatment real quickly is that The amount of hydration somebody needs when they're in treatment really depends on the symptoms that they have. But it can also depend on the type of cancer they have. So if somebody has a a gastric cancer, they might be more prone to dehydration, loss of appetite and other stomach issues caused by that specific type of cancer than others. I think it's really important that people... Find a nutrition professional that can help them calculate their fluid needs. I'm going to give you, I thought I'd just share today a little formula so that people could maybe figure out what their baseline is. This is a starting point. Keeping in mind that there is no one fluid intake recommendation that's going to be perfect for everybody. All those factors we talked about, environment, activity, sickness, and everything come into play. But a general rule of thumb is you take your weight in pounds and you divide it by the number two, and that's the number of ounces per day is your starting point. And this includes water from all sources, not just drinking water. So if you have a 200-pound person, you divide it by two, that's 100 ounces. So that's 10-ounce glasses of water as a starting point. And again, keeping in mind, that's the starting point. And then we take into consideration all those other things that we talked about. That's a really good kind of general rule of thumb for starting.
0: I'm going to have to get Jim Bob to change his joke because one of our writers wrote the joke, a half gallon a day keeps your urologist away.
1: (laughs) Maybe that is true. Maybe (laughs) that is true for some, but there are some fun tips that we can chat about. The first is if people... And eat foods that are high in water. So we've, re- we've really been talking about drink water, but it, it's important for people to know you can get water from other sources than just water. So watermelon, cantaloupe peppers and tomatoes and cucumbers, those cucumber lips pay off, right? So making sure you're getting some hydration from your foods. And you can even have really simply prepared foods, things like ice pops and soup. I like bone broth drinking that sometimes, teas, flavored seltzers. Those count towards your hydration status, right? I'm funny with my water. I like lemon and lime in it. And so if people are interested in learning about the lemon, you can listen to our podcast on lemons because that was really fun. But the big thing about water is people think it's boring. I want to make it a little more exciting for you right? So what do you do
0: with your water, Saren? Do you add anything to it? I do because of you. I used to just add lemon, but now because of the vitamins and lime, I add, I'll i have lime water, thanks to you. And I love to chew ice. You know how some people, like they can't do it. It gives them like a brain freeze or it makes them crazy. I love to chew ice. So I love to also get water just from chewing ice, but I love fruits and I love vegetables. So I'm always having something like that. The ice pops, I was told by my chemo team not to bring the ice pop flavor that I love the most to the chemo room for the exact Pavlovian response that you were talking about before. They they said, bring your not favorite ice pop to suck on while you're getting chemotherapy because you will never want to have it again because you'll associate it with chemo. So I was really conscious of what flavor I brought into the chemo room. Yes, that is so true. We
1: associate things with that experience There are, in addition to some of the foods and the flavorings we can add, even just changing your schedule, right? If you schedule yourself to have a glass of water, when you wake up in the morning, that's going to help with hydration and then even building it into other routines like sitting at my desk right now and I have a water bottle there. And then at snack time, I have a little bit more water or when I exercise, I have my electrolyte drink. So we bring in different routines I think water bottles are so cool. And so I'll actually buy different. So this is, we haven't had a long conversation about plastics and other environmental things that can hurt our body. But I highly advise people to get a non-plastic, a non-BPA carrying container for their water, because that's, I think, important for good health. The other thing to key in on is why not to wait till you're thirsty to drink? when you're thirsty, by the time the thirst is signaling your body that you might already be dehydrated, you're already behind. And our goal here is to not get behind. Children are particularly vulnerable to this. And that's, it aligns with your comments about some of the school settings, right, that you were talking about. Um, and then I think some other tips that I think people just need to, to assess on their own is really what is their life like what is the the climate that they live i have clients that i work with that are in really hot environments like florida so their hydration needs may be more how much does a person perspire how much do they exercise and then are they getting the sodium and other minerals in from other areas of their life that are going to support that electrolyte balance that we talked about these are all really important considerations when we think about hydration
0: How do you know if you should just drink the water from the tap? Everybody is selling these bottled waters and some of them are really bad for you because they're so high in sugar and they put funky stuff in it. But should you just drink the water from your tap? I think
1: people, I think everyone should get their water tested. Because no matter where you are, like my mom's on well water and she can't drink that water. It's got too many metals in it. Um, But some people are like our home. We have a water filter and the
0: water is considered
1: pretty clean with that.
0: So you have it right in your sink in your kitchen. We or?
1: have it built in built into our sinks and our refrigerator that also makes ice. So we have a water filter for that. and that works for. Well.
0: but not for your shower, just for the No, drinking. we
1: use the regular water for our shower. But I think those can be really helpful. And the other I did want to mention one other way to assess dehydration and overhydration that I didn't mention earlier, which I just wanted to to share is looking at your urine. We we talked a little, talked about looking at poop in our poop podcast, but there are different ways that you can determine hydration status, but the most common method is really checking your urine. If your urine is light yellow or clear, then you're well hydrated. If it's dark yellow or even amber, then you're dehydrated. And so one thing to keep in mind is if I take a B complex vitamin, that makes your urine bright yellow at first. So that's just your body flushing out what part of that vitamin you're not using because it's a water soluble vitamin. But uh, once the day gets going, uh, you want your urine to be clear on the clear yellow side. If you're into that amber, almost brownish mustardy color, then dehydration might be an issue for you. And it's something that you would need to address. There are other medical conditions that can cause a change in urine color. So you certainly would want to explore that with your medical team.
0: Jackie, you make us detectives of everything. Now, guys, we are just becoming urine detectives. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm a poop detective. <laughs> I'm a urine detective. I'm a sugar detective. <laughs> I should have like little patches for everything <laughs> that I'm becoming by listening to you. But I have a joke for your mom. I do. The water in our town is H2. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it's really, it's true. It's some of the metals, the metals that, I love that
1: joke, My the metals that my mom had in her faucet. She lives about an hour and a half from me. She's in Massachusetts and the metals actually eroded her faucet. Now, granted, the faucet had been there for 40 years, right? So I'm assuming erosion was inevitable. So have her teeth, Jackie. <laughs> But she had to get it replaced. And the the plumber that came out to replace it, he said, boy, you had a lot of metal erosion to this. And so she drinks bottled water because she knows she shouldn't drink the wall water, but she showers with that. But the metals are tough on the body. So it's definitely something I think people should get their water tested so that they know at least what their baseline is. And if you don't have your own, if you're on city water, they put out reports too, to let you know what the quality of your water is. And that's usually, I mean, you can do an independent test, but it's just good to know what your water's like.
0: Does the NIH have that guideline or EWG? Do they have a guideline of what would be safe?
1: The environmental working group, the environmental working group will tell you the things you want to pay attention to that you don't want in your water. And that's a, a fantastic resource for chemicals and toxins and things like that that you really want to pay attention to. It's it's really about being an informed consumer and knowing the right resources to get all the information that you need. Um, but water is important. I think we created the compelling why water is important. And now the question is, what are you going to do about it? What What's going to happen next? Like, how are you going to improve your own situation? And though I do that with my kids all the time where I'll say to them, okay, now you have the information. What's the next step? How are you going to implement it in your life? And with my 13 year old daughter, she's got this cool mug. It's a big, it's huge. It's I don't know, 40 ounces or something. And she brings it to school and it's a bright color and it's a cool thing to have, but it gets her sipping water during the day because she was dehydrated. And I think that's a, a really helpful strategy to find what's going to work for
0: you. I know you hate plastic, but would I take my big plastic jug of water and pour that into that fun container so I'm getting it out of that? Or that's just a little too late? That's like a band-aid. I should use some kind of filtration system.
1: Oh, it depends. It's hard for me. I can't measure the BPA in it, how long it's been in there, if it's been heated up. I, can't, I really can't measure that. My preference is not a lot of plastic in our life. It's hard to avoid. You go to the grocery store and there's plastic. We put our food in plastic. We buy things in plastic. I do my best. There's no plastic containers in my house. So I minimize plastic. You're never going to get plastic completely out of your life.
0: You will be so proud of me because after the nut episode that we did, I literally took all our nuts and I put them into glass bottles.
1: Oh, yeah,
0: good. I did. I did because of you. And then I just went and my daughter was like, why are you getting so many little glass jars and things? And I said, because Jackie said, (laughs) this is what you do. So I'm taking my vitamins out of the plastic containers that the vitamins come in and putting them in little
1: last jar. I, I have mine I have mine in little mini honey jars.
0: That's exactly I what have, I got.
1: Yeah, I have 28 28 little 28 little honey jars that I I'll fill for my supplements but also those silicone sacks. Those are really good too. Those are and they're almost just like those little plastic zipper bags that people would use but the silicone is it's reusable, it's washable in the dishwasher, it's fairly safe. I use that. And there's like their portion controlled size. So you can control the amount of the food that you're getting, but we're getting off track.
0: It's okay. Because everything builds upon everything. Yeah. And now I'm going to have you come back and do a plastics episode. (laughs) There's so many episodes that you mentioned today. See, I say it every time. This is the method to my madness. I just poke a little bit in an area and you go, that's another episode. And I'm like, yes, Jackie's coming back for another episode. You don't have to work too hard to get me to come back.
1: I, really, <laughs> I love being with you too. Thank you so much for all you're doing for your community.
0: And it's really an honor to be a part of this. Thank you, Saren. I love you, girl. And I just can't wait to listen back to this episode because there were so many gems in it. Thank you, Jackie Bryan. If you want to learn more about Jackie and her practice, I wish we could just offer her to every school and to every corporation and to every community so that everybody could just get well at such an accelerated pace. If you want to know more about Jackie, go to JackieBryan.com. If you can't find her, just go to ComedyCures.org And we're happy to send you her signature. You can either record a message to me or you can write a note and we'll send you how to get Jackie. She has an interesting spelling to her name. But Jackie, just one more time, thank you so much and have a blessed day. And I'll see you tomorrow. I hope you guys know this, but. Beating Cancer Daily is a listener and donor supported podcast and community. So if you have some extra change, I'd love you to go to comedycures.org and make a donation today of whatever level is comfortable for you. And it will be tax deductible to the extent allowed by law because Comedy Cures is a nonprofit 501c3 organization founded from my chemo chair, April, 1999, and we've been going strong ever since. So please consider making a donation today and help our community and this podcast thrive. Thanks so much. See you tomorrow. Guess what time it is. It's time for me to read the disclaimer. Feeding Cancer Daily and the Membership Circle are not in lieu of medical advice or treatment. They are for entertainment purposes only. Please consult your healthcare team to review your best strategy. Thanks for listening.